Good morning. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you remember us and that you have created us to be the remembering ones. And so we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to remember your grace upon our lives and the families of those, Lord God, who have been engaged in providing support to this country. We ask you now that you would bless us in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Shepherd's Gate. It is good to be here with you, and I'm honored to be here with you. I'm so thankful that Pastor Tim extended to me the invitation to come and to celebrate with you on this weekend, praising God for the work and for the vision that God has placed in you as he uses you to be a, a great vessel in the community and for the community. Thanking God also for Pastor Tim and his leadership, also those who are engaged in leadership here uh, to help make this a great celebration and then, of course, to you, you who are here, God's divine design, and thanking God that uh, he has touched you and brought you here for such a time as this. I would just like to read to you, for you, uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 30 to kind of shape our, our message for this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning at verse 1. And it reads, now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their daughters and sons taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to him, to the servant, Who do you belong to and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We have made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And when they had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad, abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day, and not a man, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back it all. Again, it is good, it is good to be here with you this morning and talking about and honoring those who have been in military and those who have been families and spouses and those who have been dependent on those who have been in mission in the military. Um, I affectionately call those of you who remain here, while many of us who were engaged in the military 
I call, affectionately call you the left behind, the left behind people. And left behind is not a bad stigma. It's just the idea that for those of us who went off and went off into battle, we had a mission. And yet for those of you who remained, you also had a mission. Your mission was to continue to continue with life after the separation and after the loss. Uh, God understood this because Jesus had to leave heaven and come down to earth and engage in warfare in order to save us, in order to restore us, while the Father watched him engage in a battle of his life. And so in this account here this morning, this is going to be a great account as we talk about David. David and his, and his friends, as we, as, as we understood, they were, they were a group of men, and they were a highly trained, special, elite, dangerous force. Today, in today's culture, we would call them special forces. And so as special forces, that when we read about them, they had an incredible, incredible history because over easily 10 years, David and his men were always on some sort of military campaign. And for those 10 years, God gave them success so that everything that they did and everything that they attempted, they were successful. And so they were able to go out. And so here they were returning from this mission. And as they returned from the mission, they came back and they saw something that really caused for their hearts to sink. And that was the fact that they saw that the city in which they had lived in and where their people were, their family were, that it had been burned to the ground. And as a result, it hit him right in the very gut of, what he, of everything that he thought was special to him. Because here it was that although they were mighty men, although they were warriors, the reality was this, is that what made them really strong was back at home. What made them really strong was the family. So you can be strong in one area and yet realize that there's something else causing you to be strong. And so here was David, and the source of his strength was his family. I remember when I went off to Iraq and um, I was with 1st Marine Recon Battalion and as we were getting ready to cross over and I, I was thinking about my family and I thought about how strong they were, but I realized in the same way they were the soft spot. And they were a soft spot because I realized that my life and everything revolved around them and so I had to tuck away my emotional and my mental connection with them so that I could go ahead and be engaged in the mission that was there before us. Those of us who have been deployed understand what that means. Doesn't mean that you forget about your family, doesn't mean that you negate them, but you understand that the reason why we can go off on a deployment is, is because we believe that our family is safe and being cared for back in the rear. And so here was David and, and, and these mighty men, these warriors, they had gone off to battle and they were expecting that they would find them safe upon their return, only to discover that there had been an, a, a, a strong enemy called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites were an imposing people. They were, they were strong people. In fact, they had a reputation for offering their children to the fire, sacrificing their children to the fire because they were just that hardcore. And so here was David, and, and so their men had this impact. They had this, 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 this accident that came into their life, and, and so now they had to do something about it because they were gone. And so I would have you understand this, that just as people in the military have a mission, those who have been in our families also have a mission. And that mission is to continue to take care of family and take care of the things that are there at the home and make sure that we still have life after. Can you say life after? So you can have an accident and then be able to survive. Say survive. survive. 
So the whole idea is that when you have a crash, praise God that you can survive after the crash. The praise team talked about grace, sang about grace. Grace is what allows you to be able to get up and, and be able to move on after an accident, after an impact has occurred in your life. And so when we understand that there will be impacts and accidents in our lives, we depend on the grace of God to help us move on beyond the impact that is coming to our life. And so understand this, that even in the military, when we talk about surviving, there is a special training in the military. It's called SEER, S-E-R-E. -E. And the first letter, S, stands for survive. Survive after the, after the accident and after the impact. And so we understand this, that, that in the same way that the family needs to survive even after their loved one is deployed to another place. And so for those who are on the battlefield, we understand what it means when we talk about the idea of having a way that we deal with when, when we have conflict. And, and we understand this, that when you're on the battlefield, you already have an organizational strategy to be able to deal with those who have been minimally wounded and mortally wounded. And it's called triage. Triage. So triage is set up to be able to accommodate those who have been minimally, mentally wounded and mortally wounded. Well, I would, I would say to you today that as we read here in verse 2, it says, The Amalekites have taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. David's families and the warriors' families had a tragedy, and it was traumatic in their life. And so here was this triage that needed to take place, not only for David, but for his family. And so for those who, are those who remain during the deployment, you triage in this way. You triage prioritizing what is necessary and what is important. What is necessary and what is important. What does that mean? It means this, that when you are here and when you've stayed in the rear, you still have this incredible uh, responsibility of trying to make sure that life goes on. You saw the video that bills still needed to be paid. Children still needed to be cared for. You needed to, those who were still needed to give, needed to give encouragement to the children. You still needed to smile. You still needed to support. You still needed to help with uh, helping with homework and being able to take children to, to different activities. Some of y'all know that, uh, that I'm married and that my wife is Shakina and that we have five sons. And so when I was deployed, life didn't stop for her. In fact, life was just beginning then because she had to triage she had to do what was necessary versus what was important. And so while she was still here, she still had to take care of her, her mom who came down to Florida, which is where we were living, came down to Florida and, and her mom had MS. So she had to take care of her mom and she had to look over our children. She still had to wash clothes. She still had to fix dinner. She still was going to work. She eventually stopped work. But she had a whole bunch of stuff that was going on and it, came, it was very important that she did what was necessary versus what was important. So as long as the kids got to school, <laughs> that's all that matters. As long as they turned in their homework, that's all that matters. Sometimes you have to prioritize when you're on the battlefield. And in your life, you need to prioritize and determine what is necessary versus what is important. And so we understand that here's a mission that we all have in our life, and even today, you still have a mission, and that mission is to still 
be, uh, to still be viable and still be able to move forward and still be able to be resilient, still be able to laugh and smile and have relationships and be able to, to be able to rejoice over the small things that are in your life. And so the first step in surviving is to triage. The second step is to check your emotions. Say, check your emotions. Look at the person next to you and say, check your emotions. Emotions can get you in a lot of trouble. Because the truth is this, is that it's a great, beautiful day. It's Sunday. It's bright. And yet, you know, we have, we have five children. And we understood what it took in order to be able to get children into the car with all of their clothes and with all of their shoes. One day we got to church and they were missing a shoe. We couldn't even figure out how we got out of the house without not, with, with, with forgetting a shoe, but it happened. And so your emotions, see, you can, you can be riding the car and be talking about, I'm going to go praise the Lord and love Jesus, but all sorts of stuff can happen in the car. Your emotions can go crazy. You can lose your mind. And all of a sudden, you thought you were going to be this well-cultured servant of God that was going to praise the Lord when you got in, but the devil showed up in the car. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Because some of, some of us know that the devil showed up this morning. And it took everything to check our emotions. And so here's David, and, and it says in verse 6, it says that when they, when they got back and they saw the city and they saw what was happening, notice what it says. It says, each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But here's the thing. But David found strength in the Lord. The emotions were raw. You can imagine it was raw when they get there and they see that it's been decimated. And so, as first of all, you know that they were excuse me, discouraged and disappointed and distraught. But then the distraught moved toward bitterness. And I can imagine what was going on. They started saying, you know what? We wouldn't be here right now, David, if it weren't for you. We would have been fine. We would have been just chilling. We would have been back there with Saul, but we decided to follow you. And look what it costs for us to follow you. Our families are gone, and we don't even know what has happened. Sometimes I know that even on deployment, families that stayed in the rear probably said the same thing to a certain degree. If he or she wasn't in the military, I wouldn't have to go through all of this. My children wouldn't have issues. My children would be able to get up on time. My children would be crying at nighttime. You know what? Even when things break down, that, that somehow those things would be taken care of. I don't, I don't even hear, word, hear a word as to what's going on. My wife told me that when I was gone for those four months in Iraq, is that she and my, and my mother-in-law would stay up all night watching the television, hoping and believing that they would see me on television. I said, wouldn't that be nice? But they stayed up. They would stay up all night, get about an hour and two hours of, of sleep, and then wake right back up and take the children to school, and the whole cycle would start all over again. Because she was trying to make sure that she checked her emotions. And so sometimes the idea is this, is that no news was good news. And yet here's the idea is that we need to check our emotions because 
circumstances and things can change in our environment which can, which, which can begin to pull us out and pull us out of character. We lived in Florida for 20 years. And one of the things that we loved to do was go to the beach. And oftentimes we, when we went to the beach, before we went to the beach, we would watch the news and listen to the meteorologist. And the meteorologist would tell you, you know, that there was either a low or a high a chance of riptide. Anybody know what a riptide is? All right, so if you've been, if you've been down, down, down south or at the ocean, you know that riptide is, a, is that you can be swimming in the water and all of a sudden this powerful force will pull you out. And what happens is that people can panic and begin trying to swim toward the land, but the secret to being able to, to get back is to swim parallel to the shore. So what happens is that you need to check your, 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 your instinct, which is to be able to say, I'm going to panic. David had to check his instinct even though things were going bad and the people's uh, opinions were becoming raw because notice what it says. It says that they then began to talk about how they might stone David. All of a sudden, there was, they were, they were talking, talking of a mutiny, of, of rebellion, of taking him out. But notice the important thing that happened. In the midst, when everybody else was losing their mind, and it said, and David found strength in the Lord. In other versions, it says it this way, and David encouraged himself. I love that. Sometimes when other people cannot encourage you, you need to encourage yourself. And so what happened is that David began to encourage himself and understand and understood that only by being able to be in connection with God he was able to do it. And so when we encourage ourselves, we understand this. Here's the scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says it this way. Paul said it this way. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. But the weapons, say weapons. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension which sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive and make it obedient to the will of Christ. So what it, notice what it says, we take captive, which means we take captive of negative thoughts, hurtful thoughts, and toxic thoughts, and we make sure that we arrest it. When you arrest something, it means that you bring it under control. And so David brought this under control because he began to encourage himself. How do we encourage ourselves? Here it is, by going to God in prayer by going to God in prayer. Now, I, I, I know this, that, that there's a wide spectrum. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you experience. But for some people, when you talk about Jesus and talk about God, some people see Jesus as simply as a crutch for weak people. And others may think that, you know what, oh, he's just your imaginary friend. But when you really begin to read who he is, and you really begin to know what he did, then you then begin to understand that peace which comes into your life in the midst of things that are raging, in the things that are difficult, in the matter of those things that will begin to assault you, you will get a peace which surpasses all understanding because peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. So here was, here, was, here was David in the midst of all of this, and he did not lose his mind. He did not lose his spirit. He began to encourage himself by praying and trusting in God and understood this, that if God be for me, who can be against me? As I was getting ready to cross into Iraq, the Holy Spirit prompted me to pray. I know it's the Holy Spirit that prompted me to pray. He prompted me to pray, and he, prayed, he prompted me to pray this specifically. 
I, I, I prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, block whatever I'm going to see on the battlefield. Regardless of what I see, regardless of how long that I'm there, block it so that it doesn't get inside of me. And so God knew that I was going to see some stuff, knew that I would see some carnage, knew that I would see some decimation, knew that I would see destruction. I saw it. I, I, I saw it. But amazingly, as I came out, as I got ready to leave and I came back stateside, there were people who were going through PTSD who saw the same stuff that I saw, but I didn't have dreams, I didn't have nightmares, I didn't get drunk, I didn't get on drugs because the Holy Spirit sealed it and blocked it because he became real. When you, when you, when you, when you begin to pray and see God answering prayers, that's when you know that God is real and that God can check us and, uh, and arrange it so that we can be able to stand regardless of what we've seen and experienced in our life. And so God blesses us and helps us to be able to overcome because his grace does that. And then finally, if we're going to survive, here it is. Say recover. Uh, I don't think you believe it. Look at the person next to you and say, say recover. Thank, that sounds real good. So here it is in this verse, and it says, and David recovered. Notice what it says in verse 18. David recovered everything that the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Here it is. David had a choice when he heard the message and when he saw what had taken place. David had a choice to believe that it was all over and nothing good could come out of what had happened. Or he could believe that with God all things are possible. David could believe that even though he was on the battlefield and even though it was a difficult time, David chose to believe that he, that he understood this, that if I call on the Lord, the Lord will answer and the Lord will save and the Lord will deliver. And so David prayed and he sought counsel from God. And what is interesting, he asked God, God, what should I do now that they've taken our family? And God gave this incredible message. Pursue them. I know they're big. I know they're formidable. I know they got a bad rap, a bad reputation, but pursue them. And David, under the instruction of God, pursued them. And here's the amazing thing. It said that they were able to overcome. He fought them from sunup to sundown. And as a result, it says that he brought back everything and not, no, one, no one person was lost. He was there and was able to do this because God was in the thick of his situation and God made it possible for him to recover. When God is your hope and God is your strength and God is your life, it is possible to recover whatever you may have lost in your life. And this might be the season of your recovery. But understand this, recovery will look differently from one person to the other. Recovery looks different from one person to another. Heard the great testimony, 36 years, 32 years in the military, active duty. When I was in Iraq, I was there with this, uh, we call him Krusty, this Krusty warrant officer in the Marine Corps. I was sitting there and he was writing on his, he was writing a letter to his grandchildren. This man had been in the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And I said, how in Sand Hill did you go through four wars and what made you come back after the first one? <laughs> and he said, Chaplain, I just kind of love it. I said, does your family love it? 
well, you know, I, that's what I thought. But recovery looks different. So for us, after coming back and thanking God that he brought, us, brought me out of Iraq, I came back and after a year, spent time, was excited and saw the family. And then my wife was able to show me the pictures of how my, how my children were looking while I was away. And then I was told, the chaplain, you're with that battalion and you're going to be mobilized frequently. And I had to make a decision. I had to decide whether I was going to give my mission to the military or whether I had a greater mission, and that was to my family. And I had to make a decision. I made the decision that my family was the greater mission. And so as a result, I came out of the military after being in there for 12 years and walked away because I understood that I had to raise five nations because that's what they are, nations. <laughs> and as a result, though, here was the thing that I walked away as I, as I was looking back and I, as I looked back at Iraq. Here was the truth, and I told my wife on the phone as I called, I said, this is what I know. I went into Iraq, and I didn't have an M16, and I did have a 9mm. I went out there. I had a bodyguard. He was tripping, but I had a bodyguard. <laughs> but I learned this while I was in Iraq. If God can take care of me and my family while I'm in Iraq, God can take care of me wherever I am in the global world today because God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And when he speaks, he holds all things together. And so my recovery is taking place even right now because I'm glad to be able to see my five sons. I'm glad to know that my wife is, that we're there and we still look at each other and still laugh and still remember how God blessed us and kept us. And so here it is that I walked away believing that God is with us. And so I'll say this. It's possible to recover when Jesus is the center of your life. When Jesus becomes your love, your joy, your peace, your hope, your forgiveness, he can turn these things around so that you're able to recover what you think you may have lost. He will help you to even recover time. Because understand this, we may, we may be far from the battlefield, but let me just say this. I know it's, we, 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 it's a little different here, but let me just say this. The real enemy is not necessarily North Korea. The real enemy is not necessarily Iraq. The real enemy is not China. Sometimes the real enemy is us. Amen? There was no gated community in Eden. So there was a boy by the name of Cain who went out and killed his brother simply because he was jealous of him. The enemy was inside of Cain and not outside in the garden. And so God says, I want you to be able to experience the real freedom, the real love, the real peace, and the real joy when I'm at the center of your life and when you know that I'm able to take you into difficult places and bring you out. So David says in Psalms 23, he says it this way. He says, he leads me beside still waters and restores and restores and restores my soul. And so here it is that when we allow Jesus to be our peace, our joy, our help, our strength, he, he will take us and lead us into the quiet place, the healing place, the holy place, the strengthening place, the place where he is present and he's able to let us know, I have loved you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so the reason why we can celebrate this weekend is because God never fell asleep on his watch. 
God made sure that he was going to be our shield, our protection, our refuge, our deliverer, our provider, our protector, our sustainer, and we're still here because of the grace of God. We're still here because God has shown himself faithful and true. We're still here because even though there may be trouble on every side, God is the answer to our trouble. And so we are asked that you allow him to be your help, your joy, your power, and your peace. And he'll give you the ability to recover your time, your relationship, your peace, your heart, and your joy. May God bless you as you, as you do more than this. More than just survive, God wants you to thrive. In the power, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.